Weirdo Bookworms Unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Genre Junkies, your favorite podcast where we talk about books, genre books in particular. So tonight, Scott is sick. He has the man flu, and he's not well, so he will not be joining us in this episode. But the timing actually could not be better, because we were planning to do this episode with just Amanda and I anyway. You remember Amanda. She's uh, she's my sister. She's an awesome fantasy sci-fi reader, and we love to have her on the show on occasion. Hey, Amanda. Hey. So tonight, we're going to be talking about a series of books that we basically buddy read, and Scott didn't have a huge interest in. Uh, so it worked out perfectly. And this is a little series known by some as the Akawar series by Sarah J. Moss. And that is a trilogy of books about Fae, starting with A Court of Thorns and Roses, followed by A Court of Mists and Fury and A Court of Wings and Ruin. So as always, we're going to keep this kind of nice and spoiler free for you for a little bit, just to familiarize you with the world um, of this series. And hopefully pique your interest so you can read them and then come back and join us in the discussion in the spoiler section. But we'll keep it spoiler free for the first book. Obviously, we can't talk about the second and third without spoiling the first. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me give you a synopsis of the first book, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah Jane Moss. Farrah Archeron is the sole provider for her family. Her father is run down by injury and depression, and her sisters have no marketable skills. So Farrah hunts for food and pelts to sell. Deep in the forest, she sees a majestic wolf like no other, and knows that such a prize could be amazing for her family. However, what she's killed is actually a fairy in disguise. To pay for her crime, Farrah is taken to the home of the High Fae Lord Tamlin. How will Farrah survive among the magical and ancient world of the Fae, who once ruled over their entire world? On the surface... This is a high fantasy romance, would yeah, you say? I think that's fair to say. I think romance is right there in the <laughs> title. Oh, yeah. And it's also a Beauty and the Beast retelling on the surface. You know what? It is. And it's also an Eros and Psyche retelling, which I've kind of come to like finally have an aha moment of, oh, that's what Beauty and the Beast is. <laughs> Is yes, it is that story. In fact, I think it's very closely tied into the uh, ancient Greek story, like point for point. She does a really good job of, of making it make sense. Yeah, and like a lot of uh, fantasy nerds out there, we love a good retelling, um, and especially when it does something like this, where it puts a lot of twists on the genre. So I know what you're thinking out there. You're like, oh, this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling about a girl that gets kidnapped into the world of fairy. How can you possibly make three books about that subject? <laughs> That's a very good question. Also, why are we bothering to talk about it? <laughs> right. You can just go get the Disney movie. <laughs> exactly. That we all love with uh, the Enchanted Cutlery. We love um, Enchanted Cutlery around here. We do. <laughs> but no, no, no. This is really just scratching the surface in the first book of a much bigger world of Fae. And you kind of have to hold on for the whole ride, and we don't want to spoil anything for you. But yeah, it rips open uh, <laughs> a big fairy wound. Mm -hmm. um, for me, this book is absolutely obsession. Absolutely obsession. 
Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think it pulls you in, it draws you in in a way that uh, it leaves you wanting more. You want to find out more about who all these little people are and all of the drama that goes on in their lives. Uh, I I couldn't put it down. Um, it's beautiful. Um, okay, we agree. Let's talk a little bit about her writing. Now, have you read other books by Sarah J. Moss? Because this was my first time reading her, but I, I do want to read her other stuff now. I have read uh, uh, one of her books, the the first one in her series, uh, I want to say it's the Throne of Glass series. Yeah, yeah. Which was her kind of, I think, her big commercial success. I want to say that the sixth book in the series just came out recently. Uh, I read the first one of that. She clearly wrote that one quite a while ago. This is her newer series. So it's one of those things where you can, um, whereas there are two very distinct worlds and very separate stories, and I enjoyed both of them. Uh, you can kind of see the germ of, of sort of how her writing style is going to cement in that one. Mm-hmm. And this one, I, I feel like it kind of comes full circle. Like it's it's just, she's just got a bolder voice in this one, I think. And it's fantasy as well. It's mm-hmm. not fairies though, is it? There are elements, but it's a very different style right? of of, of how kind of magic and fey stuff kind of comes into it. My neighbor just slammed the door. Sorry, everybody. Do you live in an apartment? <laughs> so when we say fey, I think most of you fantasy fans out there know what we mean. We don't mean necessarily Tinkerbell, though we love her, but we mean like these high, beautiful, elven, uh, magical, immortal creatures who can... Uh, can work magics and are wise and gorgeous. Yeah, think more, you know, Rivendell. <laughs> yeah. Than um, Pixie Hollow. Than Pixie Hollow. Exactly. We're we're not going there with this. Yeah. At least not largely. The the <laughs> kind of framework that the story is built on is that High Fae are very sort of human, but more regal and obviously someone immortal, mortal and magical, <laughs> uh, magical, beautiful. Um, there's also some great magical creatures in this uh, series of books, too, which I really, really love. Wonderful, imaginative creatures that she gave us. Oh, yeah, we should we should say that there's the high fae, which are these like elven kind of fairies. But there are also kind of more um, traditional fairies and, and other magical creatures that get woven into it. Scary, um, scaly, hairy yeah, I mean, really, it runs the gamut of, of really <laughs> cute, really pretty to really scary uh, looking kind of at some point describes something as, as basically the thing that nightmares are made of. <laughs> uh, you get you get it all. And um, I think we know that I particularly like my fantasy dark. And I would say mm-hmm. these books go really dark sometimes, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I would sometimes classify them as dark fantasy, at least by my justifications. I should also say, let's just, just put it out there. All three books have some pretty graphic sex scenes. They do. She goes kind of all the way. And I feel like nobody warned me. <laughs> Like, I was expecting this as a YA fiction book. Not YA. There's going to be a lot of of, of winking and nudging, if you will. (laughs) Kissing. Less uh, contact. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's pretty graphic sex scenes, Yeah, like, just basically romance novel level. Yeah, not like full-on erotica level, but like romance level. And uh, the character starts out at the age of 19, and the Fae are hundreds of years old. Um, So everybody's a consenting adult here. It's not weird or anything, but some people classify this as a young adult, which is kind of like that early teens, Mm -hmm. 20s, like where you are an adult, but maybe you don't have everything figured out yet, not that adults do. Um, just disregard the adult, young adult 
whatever. Yeah, I just, I feel like that whole terminology has come to mean less and less. You know, people kind of start out with the YA fantasy thing, but clearly it can grow into so much more than that. What do you think of her writing style in general? I really like it in general. There are a couple things that Same. just... Yeah, there's a there's a couple things in there that kind of throw me. And you made me notice it in the first book. I didn't so much. The second book, maybe a little bit. By the time you get to the third book mm-hmm. in the series, you start to go, okay, yeah, I guess I could kind of anticipate that that's where you're going to go next. Yes. And uh, some of that is her actual, <laughs> God, the nuts and bolts, the literal style of her writing. She does lots of ellipses and mm-hmm. lots of dashes in speech that's true yeah she well she she really writes dialogue uh, when she's writing speech between two characters and the two read differently something on a page and something that's intended to be said out loud so you know that can sometimes that can throw you you know it it, that part didn't necessarily bother me i don't don't want to get too much into the (laughs) the things that did kind of take me out of it a little bit I'm, and I don't mean that as like a total dig, but I mean like her characters are kind of like, I get the feeling that they're constantly kind of searching for the right word with a dash, I with feel an ellipses. Like as, it, within, in particular, our lead character, it's, it's a lot of that like word repetition. You're right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, um, we, we get already, we already know the emotion behind what she's saying because she's thinking it. We're yeah. reading that too. But I mean, yeah, you know, again, that's not enough to actually be negative about it but no because it, it is something you start to note more and more she's constantly wondering if she's really convincing you of yeah how the thought process is happening for this character right and it's like you're actually you're better than that <laughs> uh i would agree because she is better than that she's a really damn good writer and like i said i i want more i want more moss me too and i mean and she's such a good world builder both with the series and with the other one. I, I did read a little bit farther, but that's the one that I know I completely finished. So for me, having only read these books by her, but I love Faye. I love Faye a lot. And I know you mm-hmm, do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we love Faye. I love it when somebody can surprise me with yes! kind of a new idea about fairies or, or whatever, mystical creatures magical, who have magical societies. <laughs> magical beasts. Fantastic yeah. beasts. More to find so we, we've all read everything, right? I mean, <laughs> we, if you're listening to this, we've read it you've all. read it all. You know it all. <laughs> and so it's great when they can surprise you. And I feel like for me, at this point, she is like, when I first read these books, I was like, thank you so much for writing Faye how I wanted to read about Faye. Mm. They're kind of cruel. They're beautiful. They're complex but at the same time they're really just humans like everybody else they've just lived a long ass time i don't know just really beautiful really cool um now i've been told that i'll change my opinion when i read some holly black but Mm -hmm. for me right now she is like my quintessential fae writer i agree i i think what you said before that she she seems to capture something about having a really long life in a way that makes sense Without yeah. it being tropey or anything like that, it's. But I, I want to. I want to kind of harken to sort of an Anne Rice style of <gasps> these people have years on them. They Anne have Rice seen a lot. Yeah. So Anne so Rice it just bay. that's kind of what it reminded me of that she really writes uh, the timeline of their lives. I think pretty well. I would agree on that. Uh, different different critter. Yeah, different critter in your vampire and your fae. But I get what you're saying, where she um wants to paint these pictures of these beings who are not perfect, but they are kind of very wise a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, 
So let's talk a little bit about the characters we can talk about. Mm -hmm. So Farah is our lead. Farah. Farah. Gosh, I'm sorry. Correct me. I'm going to pronounce it a million different ways. I'm going to pronounce pretty much every name in here incorrectly, but I have the pronunciation guide in front of me. Oh, fabulous. So (laughs) I'll do my best to do justice to what the author wanted us to be saying in our heads. So Farah in this book is, um, she's been through a lot, man. She's kind of feral. She never finished her education. Uh, She doesn't know how to read. I think it's important to note that her family had been very wealthy, had been quite elite. Her father was called the Prince of Merchants, which sounds like it was an actual real title (laughs) in the realm of mortals. And uh, they were were quite wealthy. And uh, then when she was, I think, eight years old, they lost their fortunes. Her mother had died uh, Mm -hmm. not too long before that. It's herself and her two sisters and her father. And they find themselves in shall we say, reduced circumstances? Yes, they're very poor. And her dad has like this bum leg now. Like I said, he's not working. He is depressed. One of her sisters is an incredibly kind, kind heart. One of those people that doesn't have a mean bone in their body. Very sweet. That's Elaine. And then the other one is a little colder, a little harsher, a little more realistic. Mm -hmm. And that's Nesta. And Farah, Farah (laughs) kind of finds herself the one that has to hold this family unit together she was kind of tasked by her dying mother to do that and so she kind of basically taught herself how to hunt and skin and cook and barter the skins and she is very tough she's an artist she's a painter but she doesn't get to really explore that side of herself she has to be very realistic and very concentrating on her goals of keeping her family alive at all times so she's not very romantic she's not prone to flights of fancy she has a huge fear of the fae that live beyond uh, a big old wall and there we're not supposed to mix humans and fae yeah it, it should be said that that mortals humans hate the fae because they used to as she said in the intro they used to rule the world yeah and uh, there was a great war and ultimately the result of that war was that a magical wall was drawn up around the world and the fae exist on one side of it and the mortals exist on the other yeah never the twain shall meet <laughs> um w- just in a nutshell what do you think of farah in this book do you like her do you hate her i really liked her because she was you know it's hard to not make comparisons and i i, I yeah don't, i didn't i this didn't take me out of it at all but there's a little katniss everdeen in that yes you know where it's like she's she's like kind of grown cold and just hardened toward the world because she had to to survive Yes. She had to take care of these people. In fact, there's a lot of parallels there, but I think that's kind of classic literature trope. It's not like, it's not exactly borrowing from Hunger Games. It's just <laughs> different worlds. Just that's, well, yeah, but that's what it is. There's like, there's a parent who's there, but isn't really there. And there are other people that she has to take care of. So, I mean, and, and right there, I think that the similarities are pretty much done. <laughs> yeah. But I like that because she is cold, because she does have, you know, like hatred in her heart. And she really is, she's kind of messed up at the beginning of this book. It makes it so that she can really have an arc. And sometimes you start out with a character you love who's super good. And at the end, it's a character you love who's super good. And it's like, (laughs) Did we go on a journey? Right, because at all? you started pretty perfect and you ended pretty perfect. Yeah, and I'm not saying she ends perfect by any means. Read the books, folks. But <laughs> um, but I, I like that we start out with her being very human. 
Let's also talk a little bit about uh, Tamlin, who is this fairy, this high fae lord that kidnaps her. I don't think it's giving anything away because it's established pretty early, but he is a high lord of a specific thing, which is the spring court. We're divided into seasonal and uh, solar Mm -hmm. courts. Yeah, that's how they refer to them. So like day court, night court, spring court, winter court, all the courts. Um, Yeah, there are seven seven of them. Yeah. All the seasons and then... uh, All over there beyond the wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beyond the wall, there are the courts that are divided into seasons, and their magic's just kind of keyed into a certain affluence for that type of magic. Mm. There's those four, and then there's the dawn, the day, and the night courts also. So through <laughs> what is arguably a lot of exposition, <laughs> a lot of let me tell you and not a lot of let me show you, Fair. we learn about um, with Farah that all of this stuff is existing on the other side of the wall. So that's kind of exciting because we're discovering along with her. Uh, like I said, a lot of it is told to her because it's established and it's always more fun to see it <laughs> and not just hear about it. But it's okay. Tamlin is a very complicated character. As a romantic lead male can often be, there's some broodiness to him. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot we don't know about him that kind of gets uncovered bit by bit throughout the story. Yeah, I would argue that he's kind of a Rochester type. Oh, okay. That's a good comparison. Yeah. can go there. He's um he's cold and he's flawed and he seems pretty angry (laughs) a lot of the time, especially at first. No, I totally agree. Um... They can't really say too much about him without spoilers. Uh, kind of like I was saying before, too, along with this world of Fae, we're learning along with Farah this person's long-storied backstory. And he is not, obviously, since beating the Beast retelling, he is not just some beast <laughs> that just wants to kidnap a girl. There's more going on to it There are layers here, people. It's a tiramisu. Thank you. <laughs> and also, uh, we get to meet my favorite character, who remains my favorite character throughout the series, Lucian. Lucian is technically technically a member of the Awesome Court, but through circumstances, we meet him in the Spring Court. Um, Lucian is established as a great, how would you say that, foil? He is, because uh, whereas Tamlin is all kind of holding back and brooding, uh, Lucian is is much more, um, much more kind of like a living flame. He's a lot more outside of his skin. He doesn't like Feyre from the very first time he meets her. Yeah. Of circumstances, but still. But you like She him did kill a friend. She Yeah, she <laughs> killed that fairy, which it turns out is sort of what led to <laughs> a lot of the plot. But, uh, you know, so she... she she did a murder. Yeah. <laughs> she did a bad. She did do that. And uh, whereas Tamlin sort of seems to be kind of, I don't know, Intrigued. kind of after his initial anger, not really addressing it. Yeah. Um, Lucian really does address it. And, and so Tamlin they, they has have, more tenderness, more yeah. kind heartedness, whereas Lucian is more cool and aloof. But at the same time, he helps Farah out a lot. He's kind of a foxy, trickstery archetype. So to that end, we should probably state one more important thing here. Uh, <laughs> yes. To the to the point where we are in the story, Feyre has never seen either of their full faces. Oh, yes. They are wearing masks. Which they, they do not ever take off. No. And that is a wonderful plot point, too. 
of why are these characters wearing masks? Do all fairies wear masks? What's the high fae thing? She's like, that's weird. Whatever. It's like a thing and we can't take them off, which is another cool, compelling part to the story. Like we kind of said, we don't want to spoil anything, but there's layers. There's a lot more going on than just the surface Beauty and the Beast were telling. There's some really exciting stuff going on in this world of fae. Mm-hmm. So, Amanda, uh, just before we go into the break and start talking about some other books in the series, what sort of appeal would you give this? I'm, I would probably say that it. I, I, I think it has a broad appeal because you are yes. hearkening back to a classic story, mm-hmm. um, a very, very old story about as old as the Western world is. Tale that's as old a- as time. <laughs> that's how. That's how far back this goes. So I think that it's recognizable to a lot of people in that way, and I think that it's interesting uh, the way that she chose to retell the story in her own mind. I 100% agree, and I think that um, Broad is good here. Um, There's a lot for a lot of different types of fantasy fans. I think if your fantasy leans towards the romantic, that's really going to be what sort of makes this series for you, because it is a very romantic series. Yeah, romance is definitely the cornerstone upon which the rest of the the story is hung. And that's not a dig. That's just what it is. And But it goes more than that. Um, It goes bigger and broader and deeper and far-ranging than that. I hope that we've piqued your interest. If you have not heard of these this series of books or if you've been kind of putting it off, um, and if you have read the whole series, join us after the break so we can really kind of talk about it without being so guarded. Tune in next week for part two, a full spoiler discussion of the entire A Court of Thorns and Roses series. And remember, keep reading past your bedtime. puts a lot of twists on the genre <laughs> i just became tangled in my own cord <laughs> i could not get free <laughs> like something in a net it happens to the best of us all right <laughs>